Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. The Around the League Podcast starts now. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Dan seems a little bit down without his tag team partner, Mark, here. But we, yeah, we're going to still have a great show, Dan. You Listen, know, I, I can just feel it in your all, voice coming off the top. I always like when it's a room filled with heroes. It's true. Uh, Mark is, yes, a friend of mine. But also, you know, when his chair is empty like that, it hurts. It hurts a little bit. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to soldier on because we have to because the NFL continues. Even when there's not a lot, a lot of stuff going on, when everybody's on vacation and people are at SeaWorld and in the Caribbean and Rex Ryan is in Brazil. We're going to still keep talking about the NFL, right, Wes? Did Rex Ryan see the U.S. lose but really win? Yes, America. America advanced to the round of 16, survived the group of death. Big victory. Threw a loss to Germany, 1-0. Very nice. Thank you, Portugal. Big victory. We lost. Yeah, we lost, but we won. Yeah, they deserved it, though. I mean, we're not going to give too much soccer analysis, but they yeah. beat Ghana and they outplayed Portugal. They well, we're not going to give too much soccer result. analysis because we could not possibly give it. We don't know it. anything. Yeah, we don't I really know really anything. I can't really get into this, re- this we lost, but we really won thing, and yeah. especially since our alleged best player has been the worst player on the, Ooh, on the pitch the entire World wrestling. Cup. Wrestling. little Bunsen burner blowtorch action on uh, that one guy. What's his name again? Bradley. 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 Yeah, we, we all watched it in the newsroom, and the great thing about the World Cup, and it's growing in stature, it, it shut down even the NFL offices. You know, people were at work. We were ready if something happened. But basically, the entire NFL media group was locked in, and Wesleyan had a lot of vitriol directed towards Bradley. That's a shadowy league figure, uh, just taking note <laughs> right. of Greg, what Greg said. All right, sorry. All right, nice show today. A very nice show today. We, uh, we're going to get to several things. We're going to do... 
Uh, some chatter about the top 100, which uh, rolls on, which you may be aware of if you're watching NFL Network content right now. We moved uh, from 21 to 30 on Wednesday night. They, they unveiled those names. We're going to get into uh, some of the quarterbacks specifically that were on the list. Uh, we're also going to get into we had what we call an organic email chain over on NFL.com slash ATL. I, I got some heat. I got some legitimate heat from Twitter users, <laughs> thank you, who, that's Alex Wilk, Wilk tie behind the knot glass with TD out of the office today. We'll get to that in a couple seconds. Coming in from the bullpen. Coming in from the bullpen, liberally using the Bunsen burner blowtorch early. Love it. Love it. Not a stunner. <laughs> um, I'll use I, it when I want to use and it. And I like it. And I like it. The... Backslash. I've been saying backslash since I guess like '96 or something, and I thought that's what you call it. But then people on Twitter basically said it's no such thing. There's no backslash anymore. It's just hey, slash. We're all about progress. So progress. NFL.com/slash/atl. That's where you'll find all our written content. We did an organic email chain in which we uh, pose a question, one of us, and then we all answer an email. We put it up on the website. It's kind of like a cheap way to get a post out there, but we, you know, we believe in ourselves and we do it anyway. And we did an interesting conversation on what NFL player would get the highest salary on the open market. So we'll get into that a little bit. Jimmy Graham uh, topped Chris Wessling's preseason tight end rankings, but we're going to get in a little bit of a spoiler alert. alert. But That's all right. Listen, I, I think you probably could have guessed that, but we're going to get into the rest of Wes's rankings because when the mailman breaks down things like this, you have to read it. If you're an NFL fan, you need to understand – where the great Chris Wessling is coming from. Especially when he has so many questionable decisions on this, but we'll get to that. Uh, we're going to continue with our Making the Leap series, breaking down a couple more players, but before any of that, we are going to go to Mr. Alex Wilk, who in a former life before became a hotshot NFL Network producer for the Fantasy Live program, did do some early ATL Debate Club's production work. Oh, and, yes, uh, the Debate Club. The good old days. and Back when you guys had no ego. <laughs> I could schedule this whenever I wanted. Now you're scheduling me. You could tell when we were setting up the show with Wilk right before we started, you could tell there was a little bit of edge to him. Like he's basically doing TD and the entire NFL media team a favor by being here. <laughs> so we thank him for that. He's even wearing a Rich Eisen podcast pullover. Oh, wow. It's that which seems like a bit of a shot. And I have to wear something warm. Okay. I'll okay. do what I can. So anyway, uh, why don't we do some news, Mr. Wilk? We start with news that came out just after, I guess, we went on Monday in our Monday podcast. Brandon Flowers and the San Diego Chargers struck a contract. Of course, Flowers had been released by the Kansas City Chiefs a week earlier. Uh, Flowers, according you to... make flowers today? <laughs> yes. This is the only reason why this is leading the show. Dan's so excited to have this I love this my true detective dropping. job. Flowers will earn $3 million make flowers in guarantees today? with a chance wow. for an additional $2 million in incentives, a source of forms of the deal told NFL Media Insider. Ian Rappaport, the Chargers, the secondary is not a strong suit, so I guess this is an upgrade. But the bigger question is, is Brendan Flowers... Um, a good fit for this defense, A, and B, is he still the same Brandon Flowers of, let's you say, three make years flowers ago? Today? Wow. Yes. It's interesting that our guy, Lewis Riddick, a ESPN analyst and former NFL front office guy, has been very down on Brandon Flowers ever since he got released by the Chiefs. Has been all over Twitter saying things like cornerbacks who can't challenge wide receivers to line of scrimmage in today's game with the bigger wide receivers and really aren't that fast. 
they don't have much value, and that's why Brandon Flowers only got a one-year prove-it deal, really. Well, the rest of the NFL agreed with him, and sometimes you realize we think Brandon Flowers is a good player because he was a good player two years ago, and Riddick made a very strong point, I thought, which is two years ago might as well be 20 years ago in the NFL, that it's always looking forward, and the style of the game in the NFL has changed, and Flowers is coming off a bad year. The fact that a 28-year-old cornerback who made the Pro Bowl last year couldn't only, could only get $3 million guaranteed shows that the rest of the NFL didn't really think he was an exciting guy at all. I mean, that's pretty low money. At the risk of uh, inviting shadowy league figures into the studio, this is my issue with the Pro Bowl. I can never get excited about yeah. the Pro Bowl because Brandon Flowers had the worst year of his last five years last year, and that's the only year he got the Pro Bowl. Well, think about this, too. Brandon Flowers was uh, got a Pro Bowl nod. Also, Antonio Cromartie <laughs> was also a cornerback for the AFC Pro Bowl team, and Cromartie was dreadful. I mean, the Jets basically gave up on him despite not having a real solution at cornerback, so that tells you a lot. So, yeah, all pro for football fans that you know want to know what to really track, all pro, you, you can learn something from pro bowl, not so much. I could have sworn you were going to go to a Brandon Flowers killers reference there, that he, they've been sliding a little bit, he's sliding. <laughs> basically, don't get too excited. We also heard from some Chargers fans wondering if they could be the team of around the league. And they were a team that I kind of got on board with last year. If there was a team of uh, myself last year, it probably was the Chargers. <laughs> but I feel like they have an uphill battle to, to get the favor of the team. I don't think it's a good sign that this is the first time you've brought them up since you were their biggest fan last year. Mm. Yeah, I liked them last year. Two, two in a row. Eh. All right, so we've heard that Chris Johnson would be the, maybe not the bell cow guy, but be the leader in the timeshare for the Jets. Uh, this season. Maybe that's not the case. Jets running backs coach uh, Anthony Lynn told the Newark Star Ledger that Johnson, quote, has got some miles on him and they're going to do what they have to do to keep him fresh so he can be the explosive guy that I know he can be. Of course, the Jets also have Chris Ivory and Bilal Powell in that backfield. Ivory and Powell split things fairly evenly last year, and now Johnson perhaps will just slide into the role and be the guy that splits it with Ivory with Powell just being a guy that comes in every once in a while. I found this quote very interesting, like it was preparing Chris Johnson for what's to come. And I also thought it was interesting that Rich Samini, who's a very good beat writer for ESPN New York, did an unofficial depth chart of the team, which looked pretty up to date. And he put Johnson number three behind Ivory and Powell. And I don't know whether to put too much into that, but that combined with this quote and his contract really tells me they see him as a role player. His salary pays him like a role player, not a guy that's going to get 250, 300 carries. His salary pays him more than Toby Gerhardt, right? Uh, $4 million this year, I believe. And Toby Gerhardt's a threat to lead the NFL in carries this well, year. We'll see if that happens. Threat is the right word. <laughs> he is. Yeah. It would not surprise me one bit if Toby Gerhardt leads the NFL in, run, in, in uh Carries. For the most part, $4 million for a running back, and I know the market's depressed, is for a guy that's sharing the ball. And it's not for a big-time starter. He should be sharing the ball. Right. I think you get more out of him the less he, he gets the he's ball. Emer- he's now a guy who he moves the chains approximately once every three games. I think it's a if it ends up being a split with Ivory, that actually would be the right way to play yeah. it. Yeah. 
because Ivory showed him showed again last year that he can be a real player. Uh, but you have to you have to kind of watch the amount of workload he gets as well. So if you take two guys, then you kind of be wary of the workload you put them together. The, I think there are a lot of things to be nervous about if you're a Jets fan this year. Uh, on, uh, regard, regarding the offense, whether it's the quarterback or the depth of the wide receiver group or how the tight ends come together this year. But the backfield is one place that I'm not nervous about. I think they're going to get good production out of there this year. I'd be nervous about the entire offense. I, I agree with Dan's point, though. That's The backfield is not going to be the thing that gets in their way. Ivory is a good player. If By the way, if, if Chris Johnson's ever on the field on third and one instead of Ivory, Ivory's a they're good, doing something wrong. Ivory's a good player, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy since he entered the league. It's fair. All right, moving forward, gentlemen. Let's keep the news nice and tight. Let's not kid ourselves. There's not a lot of news out there. So let's get into some analysis because there's plenty of stuff to talk about still uh, right now, this part of year. And why don't we get into the top 100? As I said earlier on Wednesday, they revealed the next 10 names. We're getting into the uh, superstar category now of this list. I will go real quick down the list. Number 30, Andrew Luck. 29, Mario Williams. 28, Gerald McCoy. 27, Patrick Willis. 26, Terrell Suggs, which is weird. 25, Des Bryant. 24, Cam Newton. 23, Antonio Brown. 22, Patrick Peterson. And 21, Andre Johnson. Um, I wrote a piece that is up on the site right now uh, comparing Newton and Luck. Who would be your pick? if you were starting an NFL franchise from scratch. So I will open by throwing that out to both you gentlemen. Cam Newton's ranked higher on this list because the Panthers were great last year. You know, they got a buy. I don't think many general managers or any of us would take him over Andrew Luck. And I've been about as big a Cam Newton supporter uh, as there could be. And I'm worried about what's going to happen this year with him. But if you're just saying, I'm taking Luck, or Cam, I don't think it's that close. I saw when Dan wrote about this last night, he mentioned that Cam Newton has the edge in uh, completion percentage, seems to be a little bit more accurate. This shows the fallibility of completion percentage for judging accuracy. Andrew Luck, a much more accurate passer than Cam Newton. That's fair, but I would say if there's one weakness you could pin on Luck, it's that his accuracy comes and goes. The thing no one ever talks about Andrew Luck is that for two quarters at a time, he'll go away from games. He'll miss a lot of passes. Um, he's Usually a, the two quarters where his pass protection breaks down completely, sure. and, his, and he's throwing to Griff Whalen because Reggie Wayne is on the sidelines, and Dwayne <laughs> Allen is on the sidelines. He, he misses more open throws, that, and people ignore it because it's Andrew Luck. I, he look, also I, makes more difficult throws than any quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I totally agree. I guess the one thing I would say if you're looking to um, make an, a true argument of it is that Luck, and perhaps it is that he's had bad pass protection both years, and his weapons broke down a little bit last year, but his numbers haven't been outrageous his first two seasons. Uh, so you can't point at the stat sheet and say, oh, if you look at the numbers, he's a lot better than Newton. And Newton is obviously a superior uh, rushing quarterback, although, of course, Luck might be a top-five guy himself in that category. Uh, But I think that Newton is a guy that you can't go wrong either way, but I think we're all in agreement that Luck would be the pick. Well, and Newton has had less help than Andrew Luck overall. It's probably close. He's had a better Newton's had a better offensive line. The running games have both been up and down. He hasn't had much help out of his weapons either, so he's had to make do, I think, in a tough situation, which Luck has done a great job, too, when he's not protected. To me, the interesting question we'd all take Luck would be Newton, Kaepernick, 
or Russell Wilson. If if we were all taking one first, and I know, you know, I don't think Russell Wilson's been on this list yet, so it's a yeah, safe so. assumption he's going to be ranked higher. Kaepernick was was well below, and that's a tough one for me. But I think I would take Cam Newton over Cam, uh, Kaepernick and Russell Wilson. Well, how far has RG three fallen? He's not even right. In the I, I meant to. That's just a bad yeah, job. I, mean, I mean, that's a bad job. I would still take RG three. Yeah. Ooh, wow. That's I know that's cool. I know I'm probably in the way minority there, but I, I want still you believe to be right. Time. I want because I I enjoy him as a player, but I would think based on everything we know and that his knee is almost a knee in theory at this point, and he's one more bad knee injury from perhaps being a guy mm. whose career is in jeopardy. I get I just get nervous about his his physical stature. Whereas Cam Newton to me is almost indestructible. It seems the way he's <laughs> built. The guy was built to play football. And he's, he proved it last year. He was able to um, uh, up his game and take a team to 12-4. and four. The one thing about Luck is, yeah, he's made the playoff two years and he won a playoff game, but that Panthers team was superior to both those Colts teams, right? Sure. Right, but not because of Cam Newton. Although he was a big factor. I mean, you watch the, the win against the Patriots. You watch a lot of their wins. Even though the passing game wasn't necessarily the reason they were in, Cam Newton was the reason they beat that Patriots team on Monday Night Football. Anything else on this uh, the top 100 episode that jumped out at you? I think we both, Greg, your reaction there, we both eyebrows were raised about Terrell Sucks. Suggs what? cracking the top 30. I don't think he would. He should, at this point, crack the top 100, probably. Maybe the top 100. I thought it was interesting that Mike Singletary on our airwaves yesterday said he was the second best linebacker in the NFL. Still? That's Suggs? what he said. All right. I missed that. Well, Singletary knows a lot more. I, I was a little surprised Antonio Brown, by the way, got ranked ahead of Des Bryant. Yeah. Also got ranked of... ahead of Big Ben. Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> I love Antonio. Come on, people. I love Antonio Brown, but that means I mean, like like his I, he did the rankings. What is going no, on? No, yeah. Like I wrote, if if the Pittsburgh Steelers called the Cowboys and offered to Jerry Jones <laughs> Brown for death straight up, how long is Jerry Jones laughing before he hangs up the phone? That's laughable. I don't You're think right. they would do it for Brown in a first round pick. I agree with that. Five more quarterbacks yet to be named in the top 20, which I guess seems about right. And, uh, and RG3 hasn't been on this list, I believe, so that means he's not making it. Yeah, it looks like he missed RG3? it. RG3? Was he on this? I don't think he's he been wasn't. on the top 100. Well, Matt Ryan's not on it. Those are two pretty good players that didn't make the list, whereas Charles Clay did. How about this? Here's a prediction. <laughs> yeah, wow. Here's a prediction. Both those guys will be on the list next year. But, I'm on board with that. Yep. All right. So, and on a kind of like a side topic, we're talking about the organic email chain. Which NFL player is worth the highest salary? Uh, it's funny. We're talking about Luck and Newton. Those are two guys that, um, when they do become get in the eligible area to get the big payday, they're going to clean up. So, I ask you guys, and you don't. It doesn't have to be just Luck or Newton, but I suspect they could be at the top of any discussion here. Open market. Who gets the biggest, fattest salary if everyone was a free agent simultaneously? It has to be a quarterback. Right. Because it's so much more important than every other position. So as much as we might like Calvin Johnson or J.J. Watt, this is going to be between your favorite quarterback. Greg, who was your pick? Well, I took Aaron Rodgers. I thought it was actually easy. And it's because he's in his prime. He's won an MVP. He's at the level that... You're hoping Andrew Luck gets to. You're, you don't, you haven't actually, seen Andrew Luck I'm at actually that level. hoping Andrew Luck gets beyond his level. Sure, but he hasn't been there. And to me, it's a no-brainer. He's in the middle of his prime. Why would you not take the most physically gifted? He's at that point where his mind is sort of caught up with all his physical gifts. It, it does bear mentioning, though, that first of all, he's 30 years old now. 
in this generation of quarterbacks, that's, that doesn't necessarily mean anything bad. But there's also a very good chance that Rodgers has peaked as a player. He's had some injury issues in recent seasons. So I'm just saying, Oh, I, I imagine that Rodgers will be a top five, top three quarterback for another five or six years at least. But if, we, if you're given the choice of any player, wouldn't you want to take a guy that was ascending rather than a guy that had hit the peak and maybe he's going to hang on for a couple of years and then start going down? So you're not taking Rodgers? I'm going with Andrew Luck. I'm with Wes on this. I'm taking the guy that's young. He's 24 years old. That is ascendant. And also has shown all the football DNA that this guy could be uh, Brady-esque. He could be that type of stud. So I'm getting in bed with that guy, <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> Ten years, $7 billion, and away we go. Forget about the salary cap. The question wasn't who we would take. It's who would make the most money on the open market. And right. the answer is Andrew Luck. Because of Aaron Rodgers' concussion history, and he missed games last year. Andrew, Ru- Andrew Luck mm. is built like a bull. He There's... NFL executives aren't worried about Andrew Luck getting injured. He has the prototypical football build. He makes the smartest decisions of any quarterback about when to run and when to slide. And it's weird for a young quarterback. He's about the only one that knows how to do a baseball slide. Someone needs to teach these quarterbacks how to slide. Maybe Andrew Luck could have the Andrew Luck Sliding Academy somewhere (laughs) in Louisiana. Here's here's the sleeper, J.J. Watt. Your thoughts, gentlemen. He's my pick if you're going non-quarterback. To me, I'd take 10 quarterbacks over him, though. Right? But we're not oh, picking. Yeah. We're, we're saying who well, would get the most money I on think the 10 market. quarterbacks would get more even I than, agree with than Watt. I mean, that's a good point, though, Wes, that it's not who we would take, but who would make the most. And, you know, you might just have a point with Luck there. It's, um, it has to be factored in that with Andrew Luck, you're never out of a game. This is one of the most amazing stats. Since 2012... Andrew Luck is 3-3 three and three when his team has fallen down by 17 points or more. The rest of the NFL is 5-91. and 91. Hmm. Wow. I'm st- By the way, I'm sticking with Rodgers because five years, you guys are talking about the future. That's a lifetime in the NFL. And both of these guys, if there's no salary cap and they were on the open market, how much, how much do you make? $75 million? Luck also 50? averaged— I mean, how much are they worth to an NFL franchise? Luck also averaged 390 yards in the playoff last year with Griff Whalen as his second option in the passing game. And to the point that you're never out of the game, and I remembered this after doing some research for the post last night. They were down. The Colts are down 38-10 in the third quarter of a playoff game and won. That's absurd. Also, the fact that he's he's unbelievable in close games. Look at that fumble play he made at the at the end zone. Yeah. How many quarterback can make that play? He's got the instincts. He's got it all, Rosenthal, and you gotta come to the I light. Love him. I love him. He'd be number two on that list. Okay, that's fair. Um, all right, so here's another guy. By the way, Jimmy Graham, another guy who's in the middle of uh, a money issue right now, fighting for a, I guess, to not be recognized as a tight end in terms of the franchise tag. That's, to me, the most exciting subplot of the entire offseason. Will he get that <laughs> franchise tag changed? Hava, hava. For a second, I thought you were being serious. <laughs> then I looked up. No, I am not. I am not. Uh, I'm not very excited. Arbitration about that heat. I mean, come on, arbitrator. What's he waiting for? They made the arguments a week ago. Do it, Will. Do it. Do Give it. Give us do some it, do news it. to talk about, arbitrator. <laughs> so anyway, Jimmy Graham, as I as I teased earlier, that's what they call in the business, Mister Wilk. Very nice. Tease. Last time Wilk was with this outfit. We just there were no teases last young time. Young pups. <laughs> now we're pros. Yeah. He wants back in. Hey, by the way, Fantasy Live, they got one ounce of charisma compared to this group. Is charisma the word you're... Okay. I don't even know. You can use charisma. I'll go sure. charisma. I don't know. I, I think Fabiano Rosenthal, it's a toss-up to me. 
A lot of charisma <laughs> both ways. Wow. I would like to see a toss-up between them and see who can get the tip <laughs> on, the, on the tip drill there. So, in my tease, Mr. Wilk, uh, Jimmy Graham was named by Chris Wessling as the uh, top tight end in the NFL uh, entering the preseason. Uh, so, this is how Mr. Wessling broke it down. And I, and I again, I say... When Chris Wessling writes these think pieces, breaking down positional groups, and he's going to do it for every how, – how many are you going to do with these? Are you going to go every position or skill players, or how are we doing this? I don't know. Ask the boss. I think we'll do one a week leading into the season. We'll this, see where, this where is, that gets us. Uh, I kid you not, this is required reading. So the tight ends are up today, and number one is Jimmy Graham. Breaks it into all pros, next level. Strong starters. Oh, excuse me. Solid starters. I don't want to We love the tiers mess with the, Yes, Wes's wording. Uh, the next group is potential versus production, diminishing role, and then impact rookies. So why don't we start right at the top of the list where Chris Wessling has Graham, Rob Gronkowski, and Vernon Davis as his top three. It would Gronk be number one if he was healthy last year, yeah, let's say? right. And I know that... Greg Rosenthal lives in a world where ACLs never get torn. No, I'm just asking. I'm literally, I'm, I'm genuinely asking you the yes, question. Yes, I think Gronkowski is number one because okay. I think he's the greatest tight end in NFL history. Woo! Whoa! But you don't feel comfortable, basically, with his injury history enough that you would take Graham over him? Exactly. I think if you were saying who's okay. going to have the better 2014 season, I think you'd take a healthy Jimmy Graham. Tony Gonzalez just came out of retirement again because Wes said that. He was so upset by the statement. I welcome that. Tony's not blocking. I, I call him Tony. Uh, he's not blocking <laughs> like Gronk. I, I think that's fair. And that you made a great point in the piece that you said it'd be great to see what Vernon Davis could do if he wasn't asked to block so much. I, I think they could get more out of Vernon Davis. If he was on the Patriots, I feel like he would have closer to Gronk-like numbers. Jimmy Graham lined up outside or in the slot basically twice as much as Vernon Davis last year. Vernon got asked to stay in and block twice as much, and it's crazy that every time they need him as a receiver, he pops up and has a huge game, so you know he can do it. The next level group, Jordan Cameron, Julius Thomas, Jason Witten, Heath Miller, Jermichael Finley. Let me just ask you this, Wes. Uh, entering, let's say, a year ago, getting the DeLorean, is Jason Witten in that first tier, and he dropped down, or has he been in that spot for a couple of years now? I would think he would have been number one on the next level group. Okay. I think he's just, he. I don't think he takes over games quite like Graham, Gronk, and Vernon Davis do. That's a big drop to me from the all... I don't think it would be like this at most positions. To me, that's a huge drop from the top three of Graham, Gronk, and Vernon Davis to that next group. I totally agree. I think tight end is like that in the NFL right now. And Jordan Cameron is your number four tight end, so you must be wow. expecting quite a leap in production uh, for him this year. Not really. He, he was already the second best tight end last year as far as numbers go, and he did it with Brandon Whedon and Jason Campbell most of the year. That is a lot of Jordan Cameron love, though, to be number four in the league. That that jumped out at me that you would take him over Julius Thomas and Witten or even, even Heath Miller. Who's well, he had a better year than Julius Thomas, and he didn't have Peyton Manning throwing to him. He kind of he's more he's more athletic than Julius Thomas. Cameron did disappear for about five or six weeks because at one of, point. because Jason Campbell didn't like throwing to him. Hey, I, you didn't even mention Brian Hoyer, by the way. He only played. Browns fans don't know this, <laughs> so I have to remind them. He only played just over two games. All right for the Browns. He mm -hmm. is not football messiah. And Jermichael Finley, I do I do 
like that you continue to keep Finley in our thoughts <laughs> well, as a guy that's potentially a football player. There's you an do. asterisk next to his name because he might never play again. This podcast alone has kept Jermichael Finley's <laughs> name alive. We talk about him every time. Solid starters, Kyle Rudolph, Jordan Reed, Martellus Bennett, Dwayne Allen, Dennis Pitta, Greg Olson, hmm. Charles Clay, Antonio Gates, Brent Selleck, <laughs> Mercedes Lewis, and Delaney Walker. Um, Jordan Reed, and by the way, a little tease. Wilk, that's an industry comment that I made there. <laughs> Don't make me mute you. We'll, we'll come up again a little later in the show. Wilk's so over this. Uh, Reed will come up a little later in the show. Wes, you have him uh, right on the precipice of the next level. Oh, yeah. He could, he could easily be in the next level if not for the concussion issue. Right. I, looking at this list, I just want a little more consistency out of Mr. Wesley. Wow, just, the boss laying down some heat it right was now. Just, it was just a week ago. That we're in here, or maybe it wasn't even on the podcast, and you're arguing with me that it's so crazy to put Lardarius Green out of Antonio ahead of Antonio Gates, one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history. He's you know he's in Green's way, and this is a guy in Antonio Gates that you ranked behind Charles Clay. That's the level of his career that you believe Antonio Gates is at. That he's not even a top ten tight end. Uh, yeah. So how is that a problem for Lardarius Green, for instance? Why? Because I'm like... not the one deciding who plays how many snaps. The Chargers are. <laughs> so if you were, if you were, you would put Green on the field. So I would put the... Green on the field. Yes. I, as much but as I, Gates, Gates was third in the NFL in yards last year and fourth in receptions among tight ends. Then why is he behind Dennis Pitta and Charles Clay? Because. This is why I don't like doing numbered lists, because people don't actually read the analysis. They just look at the numbers, and then they're yeah, done. Or one of those people, Greg Rosenthal. Answer <laughs> that one. Gates, <laughs> in the first five games of the season, averaged six and a half receptions and 90 yards. Okay. And then Keenan Allen emerged as the go-to receiver. And from week five to the end of the season, Gates averaged three catches and 35 yards the rest of the way. That's fair. Which looks like a guy who's on his last legs. But you put him behind guys with... Major injury issues last year, like Pitta and Dwayne Allen. Jordan Reed's got some injury questions. Char- I guess it's really just seeing in any list form the name Charles Clay ahead of Antonio Gates gives me the heebie-jeebies. Charles Clay was on the top you 100, You like Charles sir. Clay. I like him as a player, but not, right. not like Charles I'm, Clay is ascending. Antonio Gates is declining. That's and that's fair. When you make a list entering a season, you have to factor this. And how about this? Charles Clay is an aside. Change your number. You want to be a tight end? You want to be respected in this league. <laughs> what is he right now, like 29 or something? Come on. You know, get in the 80s. I believe he's 42. <laughs> yeah, right? what is really? 42? What wow. is 42 Will business? Will knows Charles Clay's number. I, I think th- you're I right, could be wrong. I know. I'm pretty sure you're right. And don't hit me with an 82. Don't go knocking Dwayne Allen. You know that. No, right? I love Delaney Walker. That's my boy. But you, you're <laughs> well, knocking guys for injuries like Gronk. You know, injuries are a factor with Dwayne Allen coming off yes. a big injury. Now Dwayne I, Allen worked in the, in the offseason, though. He, he From all... All of everything we've seen, he's healthy. Gronk hasn't yet worked in practices. Number one on this solid starters uh, list is Kyle Rudolph. And with Norv Turner arriving in town, the tight end Messiah, I could see him rise What happened up. the last time we saw him with a real quarterback? Who? Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph? Yeah, he won the Pro Bowl MVP. I was going to say never, but I forgot yeah. about the Pro Bowl. I'm Pro Bowl surprised, Wes, that you cite the Pro Bowl statistically <laughs> in any way. No, it's just a, a, way to, it's a way to point out that he's had Christian Ponder throwing yeah. to him his whole career. All right, here's the category potential versus production. See, I mean, again, I'm going to say it again. This Chris Wessling list, he just digs in, and if you're not reading it, you're not all the way in, plugged in on the NFL. Potential, potential versus production, Ladarius Green, as we spoke of, Jared Cook, Tyler Eifert, Zach Ertz. Rob Hausler, Kobe Fleener, Garrett Graham, Travis Kelsey, uh, Michael Rivera, 
Gavin Escobar, Luke Wilson, and Vance McDonald. McDonald. Now we're starting to get into a little dicey territory. All these guys are young guys that are obviously talented, but haven't consistently produced in the NFL yet. And that includes Jared Cook, who really isn't all that young anymore. But I think Greg has been calling him a tease for five years now. Think about what he did, I believe, in week one last season and set fantasy owners' hearts aflutter, and then he just disappeared as Wilk nods and sadness as a fantasy producer. Well, we did talk about Jared Cook endlessly last year for that very reason. Right, yeah. and if you had you had some of these minds helping to produce podcasts, <laughs> you would say, Jared Cook's been a disappointment in seven years running. He leads the league in off-season articles Fantasies to production about ratio. what have you done for me lately. <laughs> And Zach Ertz, I believe, uh, if I could jog my memory to a couple days ago, which is, might be impossible, was a making the leap candidate uh, yeah. via Mark Sessler. Sure. So we'll see if uh, he can move up on this list a year from now. Diminishing roles. All right, this is the guys. These are the guys Getting that deep. we're starting to we're starting to slip out of the radar of society. Brandon Pettigrew, Owen Daniels, Zach Miller, Jermaine Grisham, Gresham, Scott Chandler, Timothy Wright, Brandon Myers. Cumby, Jeff Cumberland, all the way down here. How dare you, us? And Anthony Fasano, Cumby, come on. I got, I got hate tweet from a Jets fan insisting that Cumby's role will not be diminished despite the drafting. <laughs> yeah, baby. Despite the presence of Jason Morrow, they will just run two tight end sets and take advantage of Cumby's uh, playmaking ability. I will say this: this is what we need to uh, keep in mind: is that. And Rich Semini, who we referenced earlier, earlier, who is one of the best beat guys in New York, referenced that Amaro is basically coming from a system at Texas A&M where he, it was kind of a wide open, it wasn't a true NFL offense. And now he has to learn the, the details of at this level, and he looked pretty slow at, at coming together during the offseason program. So to assume that he's immediately going to be a p- plug-and-play guy, I'm not yet convinced. Meanwhile, Cumberland has the trust of the coaching staff. He's made some plays in the past. I'm telling you, do not sleep on I, a Cumby. I know you're an NFL team uses a top 50 pick on a tight end. It means the other tight end in your roster is about to lose his role. He might see there might be some two tight end sets. Remember the Jets, <laughs> the Jets number two wide receiver right now might be Stephen Hill. I'm just telling you what the <laughs> what the Jets are telling us is Jeff Cumberland is not a viable. We're getting pass deep on Cumberland. This is the best Cumberland conversation. By the way, Wilk's doing a great job with these drops. You better Thank watch you. out. You're kind of like Andrew Siciliano hosting NFL AM. You don't want to do too good a job, Wilk. <laughs> you, might, you might be coming back. I've been on AM duty this week. <laughs> we'll do it all. football there about yeah. uh, NFL AM talk. <laughs> Anybody that works on the chest, they get up at like 1.30 in the morning. I think 11 p.m. is Ooh. usually Jermaine Gresham, by the way. Little, I, Wes does an awesome job with all these lists. If I was doing the list, Jermaine Gresham seems a little underrated. He's a good player. He's with some stiffs we, here. We, we always say we don't, we don't take pro football focus as gospel. I believe the only tight end ranked lower on their list was Ed Dixon than Jermaine Gresham. Wow. You know you're getting desperate when you're citing PFF stats. That's Wesseling's last resort. <laughs> the great PFF qualifier talk. Uh, finally, impact rookies. Eric Ebron, who I think could do something this year. Uh, Amaro, as we spoke about with the Jets. Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, Richard Rogers and... Troy Niklas. I don't know who that is. Niklas. I don't know him. A little note on Richard <laughs> Rogers, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who Greg and I from our Roto World days believe might be the best newspaper in the country as far as following their team. 
Voted Richard Rogers the OTA's MVP. I saw that. Which is weird for a blocking tight end. Apparently he's he catching was, everything. Believe, yeah, making plays all over the field, making one-handed catches. Yeah, uh, maybe has a, a stranglehold on mm. that job. Ted Thompson knows what he's doing with mid-round draft picks. And, Let's and give him Austin, credit for that. Austin Safarian Jenkins, who is a guy who seemed very, I was excited about coming into the draft. You hear some not so good things about him in Tampa that maybe he's not going to have that big a role. Tell me more of this Troy Niklas fellow. <laughs> he's uh, he's been on the sidelines. He, I think he broke a finger or a thumb. Oh. I hope he's okay. Second round draft pick for the Cardinals. Okay, thank you for the. Oh, that's kind of a high draft pick. I should know that. He a lot of Hausler Nicholas training camp battle heat. going on right now. I like that. You know, you never know what's going to happen. All right, finally we move forward, gentlemen. Uh, good talk there again. Check that out. And Wes, when or Greg, when will be the next positional rankings uh, rollout? By we're, we're going to keep doing this on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, a new position. Our other feature we have ongoing right now, making the leap. We will start with number 14 on the list today, Texans wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins entering his second season. Second banana to Andre Johnson, probably. Chris Wessling wrote it up uh, on the NFL site, which you could read at NFL.com slash deal with it, people. Nice job. Making the leap. Wes, your thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins making the leap in 2014? On all of these making the leap guys, we have to say why they are on the list. In DeAndre Hopkins' case, I said because we're thumbing our collective noses at the idea of a recency bias. He didn't do anything in the second half of the season. Didn't score a touchdown after week eight. Texans' season descended into chaos. Their quarterbacks were terrible. They kept getting pulled for one another because they they just weren't very good. Hopkins disappeared, but... He won Rookie of the Month in September after four games was on pace for 80 catches, almost 1,100 yards, and five TDs. He would have been an impact player already. He wouldn't have been eligible for this list if the Texans had better quarterback play last year. He's a guy we argued about because I just wasn't sure when you read about his struggles as a rookie whether he's going to overcome those. It's a tough thing to measure, but it sounded like he struggled to pick up the playbook and really be reliable in terms of them knowing where he was going to be on the field, that he just wasn't ready for that. And so that's that's something some receivers never get over, and sometimes they just improve dramatically in year two. The most impressive thing about him was the week two game against the Titans. Andre Johnson got concussed. And then the end of the fourth quarter in overtime, DeAndre Hopkins took over the game. He finished with over 100 yards. Schaub found him for five catches at the end of the fourth quarter in overtime, and he just took over. Sideline catches going over guys, jump balls in the end zone, and he basically put the team on his back. And he's got to learn another offense this year, but uh, maybe he'll get a little bit of an edge if Andre Johnson doesn't show back up. (laughs) Biggest obstacle, Wes? Well, I think learning the offense, that's really his biggest obstacle. He said it, he already came out and said it wasn't going to be easy. He struggled with that last year. That's his one. And he, kind of, he had some mental mistakes last year, as Greg referenced. That, that Titans game was kind of a microcosm of the season. He couldn't really escape from man coverage for three and a half quarters. And he, and he broke the wrong way on a pick six to alter on Werner. So that kind of like his season was filled with errors and big plays. So that kind of tells you where he's at. You want to do some slash line over-under? Sure. 70 catches. I'll go slightly under. I could see six, 65 to 68, somewhere in there. Greg? Oh, definitely under. Ooh. 70 is big for a guy who I think is going to make his money with big plays, not with you know 10-yard catches. 1,000 yards. Over. 
Bufa. Under. I'm definitely not buying that. Eight touchdowns. Under. You always pick a big touchdown number. It's tough to get eight touchdowns. That's what says it's not predictive. I'm just like, you know, throwing the number out there. No, he, and he's a guy who his talent leaps off the screen, and he could be a guy they throw it a lot to. So, Greg, right for everyone, just as a recap, Greg's numbers for Hopkins, 12 catches, no. 203 <laughs> yards, and a touchdown. That Caught on a deflection. Touchdown number is kind of interesting because Kubiak was always one of the most conservative NFL coaches in the red zone, always ran the ball. And Schaub was always one of the worst red zone quarterbacks in the NFL. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with Bill O'Brien calling the plays. Hopkins is a prototypical red zone receiver. He's got huge, strong hands, great leaping ability, and he contort his body like uh, Brandon Lloyd. And, of course, all these assumptions or predictions that we're making are based on Andre Johnson being on the other side of the field, taking on double teams and all that stuff. We, we, we can assume he's going to be in the mix. I mean, that's the only way to look at it right now. And I if he's assume. not in the mix, I would expect better numbers for Hopkins. It would definitely be a greater challenge for him. But they have, yeah, they have no one to throw it. Well, that's a thin receiver group It, it would be a greater challenge, but his best play of the season came when Johnson was sidelined with a concussion. Ooh, that's, fair. that's a fair point. Good job by you, S. Uh, all right, let's move on to number 12 on the list, the Washington Redskins tight end Jordan Reed, who we discussed earlier. He was listed under uh, Wessling's preseason rankings as a solid starter with the potential to rise into the next tier. And you know what? I think that's a very accurate summation of where Reed's at. He Last season uh, with the Redskins, he was one of only t- two receivers that RG3 really had any trust with. It was Garcon on the outside who had 113 catches. And then Reed, who did a lot of damage in the middle of the field. And it was uh, a pleasant surprise for a third-round pick out of Florida who instantly hit the ground running as a guy that wiped Fred Davis off the map in in Washington and uh, was making plays on a weekly basis until week 11 where he suffers a concussion. It turns out we learned after the season that he had hit a prior concussion earlier in the season and has had four since dating back to his Florida days. So obviously that's the biggest thing you're worried about. But as far as the skill level, I mean, this guy is the real deal. He's been compared to... Uh, pre-felony Aaron Hernandez for a reason, his speed, his quickness, his power, uh, and also his ability to move around, be a movable chess piece for an offensive coordinator. Jordan Reed is an excellent young player, and I believe, and we believe collectively, that he makes the le- leap. I like that you pre- compared him to pre-felony Aaron Hernandez. It's very important. To make sure people didn't think well, we were comp- you know, saying he was a killer. The funny thing about that Allegedly. is, yeah, the funny yeah. thing about that is when you do research for these things, uh, you'll notice whenever the Aaron Hernandez comparison comes up, the writer it just feels obligated to say, on the field, Aaron Hernandez, yes. as if he's referring to what happens outside <laughs> nightclubs and bars. Sorry, continue. Well, he's from Florida, and he has, he shares some of that same Joker tendencies, chess piece tendencies, and that's why he gets the Hernandez things. But I've, I've got another comparison for him. Late on us. Poor man's Antonio Gates. Interesting. Ooh. That's nice. Is he yeah. that? Is he that physical? You know, one of the things. That's I think, the question. I think. I don't know if he's quite as physical. That's why I said poor man's. And Jay Gruden. But I think he's as athletic as Gates. Jay Gruden did say Oof. that you know blocking was something that he still needs to get better at, but he has the ability to be a capable guy. But let's be honest. I mean, this guy is in the lineup for one reason. It's to be that big red zone target, the guy in the middle of the field. And I think the addition of Deshaun Jackson even makes makes things even better for Reed, even though 
Griffin obviously has another target now, but you're going to have Jackson running the vertical threats. You're going to have Garcon doing his thing, commanding attention. That could leave the middle of the field wide open for a guy that was born to roam through that area. And to me, if he's healthy, he is a guy that can become a Pro Bowl-level talent this year. I, I love his talent. I like him a lot more as a player than Zach Ertz, who was just on our list. And even DeAndre Hopkins, I, I trust Reed's talent a little more. But I think there's two major problems. We, we mentioned the concussion thing in passing, but he said that for two months after he had this concussion, he was wondering if it would ever go away. So that's a significant injury risk and, and something to worry about. Greg Rosenthal, I'm going to need a little more consistency out of you <laughs> on the concussion issue. I'm just saying, you can't just throw, throw that in there. He has a significant injury concern, and he's had other injuries. And the other thing is, I'm not sure it's a good thing going from Kyle Shanahan to Jay Gruden. Just seeing what Kyle Shanahan that's a fair point. and that offense has done with tight ends and then see what Jay Gruden is doing with tight ends, I don't know if that's going to be great for Reed. All right, let's do some slash over under fun one more time. Do you want us to throw it out? Oh. Yeah, throw it out. That's good. That's fun. I like that. Over under 52 catches. Over. I'm bullish, so that's, yeah, you know I'm going to go at. over, too. Over under 775 yards. Oh, yeah. Over. I'm, I'm going over because I don't want to root for an injury. If he's healthy, I think he's definitely getting that. Over under six touchdowns. Over. We're going triple wow. over. We're bullish on Jordan I'll, Reed. I'm going to go under because I'll say under for all touchdowns. And for the record, I even I threw this out to the guys yesterday downstairs. I, I wrote a 71,008 slash isn't crazy talk. If this kid stays healthy, that would just have been the second best slash in the in the NFL behind Jimmy Graham last year. And I think he has that ability. Actually, before he got hurt this uh, week six through eleven, uh, he had more catches than any tight end in the league uh, by hmm. nine, and also had a game where he went nuts. I believe against the Bears, where it was like a nine for one thirty game with a touchdown. That was a forty four forty one game, if I remember correctly. It was, yeah. I mean, this. Uh, Josh McCown outplayed Jay Cutler in that game. That is some statistical nuggets from Hansis and Weston. Uh, wah, wah, Closing wah. strong. Yeah, that's and that's how it is. So, uh, good luck to you, Jordan Reed, because you know, concussions. Is, it's ugly business. We're, we're pulling for you. Yeah, Wilk. Concussions, ugly business. Yes, concussions. incredibly <laughs> ugly business. I don't have a concussion drop for you. Uh, I am wondering what happened to number 13 on your list. We just did 12 and 14 like it was well, nothing. You know, we it doesn't matter. Is it unlucky? That's thing? how you got the promotion, your sharpness. Can but count to 14. That's my strong suit. catch Ian Dark use the phrase momentarily concussed during the soccer game? No, no but that's no, awesome. I missed that. And I love the name Ian Dark. Awesome name. Someone in the blue room, the, our video production room in NFL.com, did not believe me when I told him his name was Ian Dark. <laughs> he asked for multiple clarifications. He sounds like the protagonist of like a graphic novel. Uh, yeah. James mm, Bond. I like that. Maybe a, series. A, a Inspector Gadget protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for Thursday's edition of the Around the League podcast. We will be back on Monday, and I think uh, uh, Mark Sessler will be back with us, so that's a good thing. Uh, we'll have the heroes all together. Wilk tie. Will you be back with us on Monday? It depends on if TD is uh, here or not. I'm still I'm still coming out of the bullpen. I'm not starting yeah. yet, so we'll see. I, uh, we'll see who's Nigeria. Starting. I believe advanced, which means that everything is kind of potentially up in the air with TD <laughs> yes. being plugged in professionally. So we might have Wilkti here. We might have TD back. Either way, we're in capable hands. I'll tell you that, buddy. 
appreciate that. Before we sign off, also, I want to mention that the gold standard, our great producer, Zach Goldman of the past, uh, dropped back by NFL Studios recently to tape another uh, Sheck podcast about football that he did with TD and Sheck chiming in. Uh, so they brought that back on popular. It's popu- great, and I hope they yeah, come back popular again. Demand. I've been listening to these. So We're going to need a preview that for the, uh, the next round. Yeah, tweet at Damashek to do another one. I, I keep it coming. Five. Keep it coming. So check that all out. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, fella. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so check that out, of course. Uh, check us out. Comment and like us and do all the things on iTunes for the ATL podcast. And, of course, the Fantasy Live po- uh, show, NFL Network. July wow. 10th. Oh, man. we got one more show July 10th, and then we start up on NFL.com uh, August 11th. And produced by who? Not me, actually. But you're, but so you're within the structure. You're in the mix. I'll be involved. You're, you're in the structure, and that's important. Okay, that's <laughs> it. Dan Hans is signing off for the mailman and the boss. And, of course, the great Wilk tie, not behind the glass. Until Monday. Okay. Wilk doesn't even have time for us. It's like, why why am I here? I have so many, like, segments for Fantasy Live I'd rather be preparing. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.